Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you, everyone. And I want to share uh, a selection of verses that have, for a long time, they have been a, a source of great blessing and strength to me. And I just want to share them with you there. In Matthew 21, to begin with, and it is the account of Jesus coming into Jerusalem that week before he suffered and died, what is normally called Palm Sunday. And let's, let's read a piece of it. In verse 6, he'd send the disciples on ahead of him to get the donkey and the colt. And so it says, the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, this is what they were shouting. It, it was a reverberating sound as, as all these people streaming toward Jerusalem. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he entered into Jerusalem, all the city was stirred. <coughs> Uh, stirred that word in the original language uh, means it was as if an earthquake took place the city was stirred saying who is this and the crowds were saying this is the prophet jesus from nazareth in the galilee and then he goes on as jesus went into the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and then in verse 14 the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And then thirdly, verse 15, when the chief priests and scribes saw these wonderful things, the healing of these people that had been done, and also the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant, maybe a better word, furious and said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself? Okay. I want to just look at those verses. They sort of scream out for someone to say something about them. It was Passover time, which places it around April, sort of. It, it falls the same time as our uh, resurrection weekend. And Passover 
in the Jewish world, um, you came to the Feast of Passover. And so uh, tourists shall use it. No, pilgrims is a better word. They were not coming to tour. They were coming to worship God in Jerusalem. But they came from all over the Roman world, wherever the Jewish people had been scattered. Now they come, and they come to Jerusalem, and they come in their tens of thousands. One estimation was that 12 million pilgrims from all over the Roman world came into Jerusalem for Passover. And if you could imagine the, the, the crowds and the excitement, in fact, not only pilgrims, but the Roman soldiers were tripled, quadrupled at, at Passover because they expected these excited people uh, to riot against the Roman oppression. And, and so you couldn't move in the city for people and for Roman soldiers with ready for action immediately should it be needed. It was all going on. And that first day of the week, Jesus is coming from Bethany into Jerusalem as one of the pilgrims, and he gets the donkey and the colt, you know the story, uh, and and he rides in, and the people just fall in around him. They were ahead of him, they were behind him. They threw their coats down, and they grabbed palm leaves, uh, sticks off the trees, and they're waving them, and they're screaming, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You cannot... Imagine such a scene when when thousands of persons uh, and Jesus in the center and they're slowly moving into the street that leads into Jerusalem. And the people in Jerusalem can hear this sound of thousands of people shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Now, what what does that mean? There, there are many people who say Hosanna when they read the scripture or they are involved in, in church liturgy. They use the term Hosanna. And yet when I ask persons what it means, I, I've never met anybody that knows. Um, Hosanna. Well, not only Hosanna, but this entire body of words that they were saying, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you realize that was a quotation from Scripture? It's in Psalm 118, and it's a passage where some of the verses that lead up to this are very well known if you know the New Testament. Verse 22 of Psalm 118, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That is, when Messiah comes, it says, when the Savior comes, he will be rejected by uh, those who at least assume to themselves power. But the one totally rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Then verse 23, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. 
This is something impossible, it says. Impossible is marvellous, which is a word that uh, has behind it the idea it's impossible for a human. Something is happening which is a God thing. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvellous. It's only possible for God. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Then verse 25. O Lord, do save, we beseech you. O Lord, we beseech you, send prosperity. In the Hebrew, as it comes down to us through the centuries, those words are Hosanna. Hosanna in Hebrew, embodies the idea of save, and it embodies the idea within salvation of prosperity that begins deep within the very heart of the human and reverberates through the entire life. Save, grant us prosperity. Let me throw in a few more words which the word save means. It it means deliverance from all enemies that oppress uh, tyrants it it involves the idea of health health to my spirit health to my innermost human being health to my mind as well as to my body health another word would be wholeness that that everything is in its right place within me. I'm in harmony within myself, and I'm in harmony with God, and I reach out in harmony to my fellow human. Salvation, prosperity, wholeness, healing, deliverance, all those English words are what this one Hebrew word save means. And it's save now. And it's spoken in the light of that previous verse, let us be glad, let us rejoice. There's an intensity of joy. Oh Lord, in the highest, oh Lord, you're our salvation, you are our health, you are the one who is our total prosperity, you are the one who delivers us from our enemies. Hosanna, Hosanna. But it's not a begging, pleading thing, oh, save now. No, this is the joyous. It's the expectancy, it's the anticipation. It is the knowing this is what you do. Hosanna, you're the saviour now. You deliver us now, and so on. And then it goes on in verse 26. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And what does that mean? It means that Messiah, the promised deliverer, the promised saviour is come and we recognise him and we see that he carries the ultimate blessing of the Lord with him. And so we reach out our arms and we say, yes, 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 blessed, oh yes, blessed be this one who comes in the name of the Lord. He is the salvation that we call, he is the prosperity that sings on our lips. Quite a prophecy, you know, seeing as it was written a thousand years before Jesus came. Um, And and, and so they took this. This was not an isolated incident. Well, yes, it is, in that it, it is the fulfillment of all that. Jesus is recognized, and the people in their 
roaring acceptance that he is Messiah cry these words. But there, there was a feast in the Jewish year. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and, and again, all Jewish people would come for that. And it was the most hilarious. There's no other word for it. It wasn't just happy. It was absolutely hilarious. There were in the Feast of Tabernacles. There was dancing, uh, and, and their hands were raised in praise and thanksgiving. The whole of Jerusalem rocked with praise, and it was the longest feast of the Jewish year. And on the last day of the feast, they did this. They they got palm leaves and they danced around the great altar in worship. And as they did, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they waved their palm leaves to the point that that day, that last day of the feast was called the great Hosanna. And their palm leaves were called Hosannas. Uh, means symbolic means whereby they praised and thanked God for his salvation they now do this out there on the street and, and they're dancing around not an altar but the very presence of God's savior among them and they're shouting it and the point, they come from the Galilee. You know, some people say, well, these people, they are fickle. A few days later, they're saying, crucify him. No, 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 that was another bunch. These people were essentially the Galileans, and they had come down from the north. They, they were 70 miles north of Jerusalem, and um, they, they were real country folk, you know, fishermen, shepherds. And and they had an accent. You could tell a Galilean a mile off. He was like someone from Mississippi turning up in Times Square in New York. I mean, you can't miss him. Um, and they had accepted Jesus. They're the people in all the Gospels that Jesus ministered to up there in the north. But then all over Israel were such people. And they gathered with the Galileans. And these people, they are... They're ready to say that this is the end and the Messiah has come and so on. But that's really what they were saying. The people who said crucify him were the, the bunch of goons from the temple, the Sadducean lot. And, and they, they were a mean bunch and they didn't ever say amen to him. No, this is a group of people, peasants for the most part, families... And and they are worshipping Jesus, putting their clothes down and, and taking all this that had been the liturgy in the temple and they said, it's him, it's him. He's the saviour and they're dancing, they're singing, they're shouting. You ever thought of Palm Sunday like that? Sometimes the way our churches celebrate it, you'd think it was a funeral more than this. But uh, religion was horrified. Well, they always are, but they, they were—they heard it first of all. The racket going on outside Jerusalem, and then as it comes in, and, and the crowd kind of disperses, kind of, but most of them go into the temple. That was a vast place, and they go into the temple, and Jesus goes in. And he heads for the table of the money changers. This is another story. I just reference it. Enough to say that the temple had become a mafia den. 
Annas, Caiaphas, the high priests were anything but. They, they, they were political appointees and they ran their racket inside the temple. And they were scamming the people. They were taking their money and it was a disgusting thing. It cost you an arm and a leg to get into the temple because of these crooks. And Jesus comes right in and I'd love to have been there as he picks up the tables of the money changers and sends all their coins sprawling across the floor and so on and so on. And and Annas and Caiaphas who see that their racket has been discovered by this Jesus. Huh. But then when that is quieted down, if you could if it ever did, um then come all the sick, the lame, the blind, and Jesus heals them, and that vast temple area becomes a place of healing, salvation, wholeness, health. And while that is going on, the children are running, as children are wont to do. They have no awareness that they're in the sacred courts of the temple, They've no awareness that these fellows in their long robes are the priests and the Levites and nothing. They just run through the temple, run after each other, and, and run through the legs of these holy people and, and, and shout as they go, Hosanna to the Son of David. I mean, for the religious people, this has been the day of disaster. And so furious, red-faced, and almost frothing at the mouth, they come to Jesus. They said, do you hear? They've got plenty of anger over many things, but they zero in on the kids. They say, do you hear what these children are screaming? Hosanna to the son of David. They're, they're talking about you. Do, do you realize the blasphemy? They're saying that you are Messiah, God's salvation. He was basically saying, you, you seem to be in charge around here, shut them up. And Jesus, I'd love to have seen his face as he looked at their fury. And he said, oh yes, I, I hear them. Yeah, of course I do. Isn't <laughs> it beautiful? I, I hear them. And then he, he said, have you never read, you seem to be uneducated about what's happening here, have you never read... That it says, out of the mouth of babies, toddlers, that th this incredible God has prepared a place of praise for himself. Now, that's interesting. I mean, interesting actually to the max. Because yes, we know where Jesus quoted that from, but he changed it. And he changed it and gave an insight into it that is beautiful and incredible. He was quoting to these religious folk from Psalm number 8. Okay, let me read what Jesus was actually quoting. In our regular Bible, <coughs> it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth." who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength, 
because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. Now, you do see that is what Jesus was quoting, but he did change the words. It's a marvelous verse. I mean, that first verse, it says your, your name, that's your very being, who God is, is majestic in all the earth. He takes in all of creation from blade of grass to mosquito to human. All the earth. It reveals the majesty and the wonder and the beauty of the name of the Lord. And then he says, you've displayed your splendor above the heavens. And so he says, look up and see from sky to sky the splendor and majesty of this God. And then he says, from the mouth of infants and nursing babes. Just a minute. All this wonder and glory that is inherent in creation, he said, that majesty is actually spoken by the mouth of babies and toddlers. Wow. That, that's, that's interesting to, to say the most. It, it's Right, I mean, right from the beginning, the fact out of the mouth of babes and toddlers comes the praise of all creation. It's all funneled through baby voices, a baby choir, you could say. But even beyond that, it's amazing that it is saying that we humans are the ones who give the voice to all creation, and so all of that from the outermost reaches of the universe to the tiny universe at your feet, it all gives praise to God, but that praise must come through the voice of a human. Isn't that incredible? Especially when it says that human is a babe and a toddler. Amazing, amazing. If you... uh, have any part in liturgy in your church, you will know that at a certain point in the liturgy it actually says that fact. It says that we who have known the love of God, it says we give voice to all creation. We give voice to all creation. The the birds have their own song, but we articulate it. And, and, and we take as representatives of the birds and the tigers and the leopards and the elephants and the cows and the, well, all of creation. Every blade of grass, every leaf we take, we're representative and we are the ones who take and give praise to God. Amazing. He says, out of the baby mouths, out of these little lips, he says, you have established strength. And, and the idea there in the Hebrew language of established, it, it is to build, actually. In, in to, to just cut to the chase, it, it, it means these baby lips have built a stronghold. They have put up a tremendous fortress. Their lips have said words, and those words have become the stones and bricks and lumber that have made an invisible fortress. A fortress from which goes forth 
the strength that silences the enemy. Wow. It says that the the joy words of children, you, you understand, the joyous words, praise words of children become an invisible stronghold. A stronghold of God. So that words are invisible bricks they are invisible rocks that are put together not just sounds that issue forth out of vocal cords but that going forth out of the mouth of God's strength and so you have the child the baby the the very icon of weakness and yet out of their mouth comes the strength of God Words so powerful that they silence, and the actual word there, um, cease at the end there, where it says you make your enemy and the revenge will cease. That word today we would say it's taken from the sport of boxing, it means a smack on the jaw that knocks you out cold. And you're not going to be saying anything for a while. That, that's the meaning of that word. And so here, coming out of the mouth of babies is something that is stronger and more effective than all the power of darkness. It can knock it out cold. Now, Jesus quoted that to the Sadducees in the temple. But did you notice what he said? He he gave his own... Well, it was an interpretation, really. You can't say it was a translation. But Jesus said, out of the mouths of babes, infants, you have prepared praise for yourself. And so he tells me what this means. He says that strength going out of the mouths of babes, the the bricks and the rocks, invisible, but really the ultimate real, they are praise and thanksgiving. They are words of worship and joy in God. And that is what silences the enemy. And Jesus then, putting all that together, is saying that what these children are saying, what has been said out there on the road, Hosanna, save us, yes, with intense joy. You're doing it. You're saving us. You are healing us. You are making us whole. You are delivering us. You are prospering us. Hosanna, that's the word. In Jesus, son of David, the one who descended directly from David, and, and therefore all the Old Testament prophecies are pointing to him and fulfilled in him. He's the one, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus said that praise that they're now offering is building something. It's God preparing for himself. Well, when God prepares a building, what was it called? The temple. And what had Jesus just done? He'd thrown out all the filth and corruption of a mafia religious mob. And now he said, little children are building the real temple, the place of God's 
dwelling in the midst of his praise. Do you get it? Children. Now, isn't that something? Out of the mouth of children. Now, it would be the overall world. A word he uses the word babies and even little tiny babies and toddlers and the ones they were talking about were running all over the temple. So you're talking about, um, what, young kids. Um, what, what does, what is it? Because this crops up through the scripture. You know, Jesus speaks about this. Um, I'll quote a couple in a minute. Um, it, it's, yes, obviously, if you see little children giving praise to God, do not despise them. Because obviously, from how Jesus used this scripture, it applies to them. And sometimes little children are in deeper worship of God than any adult knows. But as you go through the scripture on this idea, it, it comes about that although it does mean children, but it also means those who are childlike in their mind and in their innermost heart and spirit. In fact, childlike faith, childlike trust, resulting in childlike praise, that's the kingdom of God. So this does not necessarily or always describe physical age. And... uh, And I know what some people say, you know, if a new convert prays for you, you'll get an answer because they're, no, 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 please. Uh, That does not fit. This, this is talking about persons who have learned their place before God as little children and with their childlike heart of trust and expectancy, giving of praise, such is the kingdom of God. You see, we were created, you could say the blueprint for humankind is that to be children of God. I mean, you've never read in scripture that we are the adults of God, have you? We're we're the children of God. That's the child. Those trusting, childlike faith that mankind was created to be. Satan came in and his was the call to grow up and be an adult. You don't want to stick in in this uh, situation, do you? You were created for more than this. You were created to be gods. And, And now it's time to grow up and shock off this dependency upon God and be this magnificent person you are. You are a God. That was the original call that we call sin. Sin caused the child before God to assume the posture and mind of an adult. And following that through, the grace of God in Jesus came and 
in the cross, Jesus killed the adult mind, the mind of the flesh, the mind that came in through Satan. And then begins our maturity, we finally grow up into being children. Do you get that? I know, it's absolutely backwards, isn't it? But you see, Jesus said that except you become as little children, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And notice he is saying you're not that right now, except you become as little children. And do you remember at another time when the disciples were arguing as to who was the greatest in the kingdom of God and Jesus took a little child and put him in the midst of them and said much the same thing. Or in Matthew 11 when he's talking of this enormous revelation of who he is and the new life he gives. Do you remember he begins it by praising his father, saying, you have hidden these things from the wise and the know-it-alls, and you've revealed it to babes, little children, and goes on to speak to all of us. Yeah. And what, what the Old Testament, what is it, Isaiah 11 prophesied the kingdom of God, saying, a little child shall lead them. And of course, when God himself became flesh and revealed to us what humans were supposed to be, he continually addressed God with the term Abba, which I've told you many times, essentially would be translated as daddy, dada, papa. You know, the, the first words of the baby in addressing father. When we translated father, um, well, yeah, that's what it is. But actually the word is closer to, well, I was going to say baby talk. But in Israel of those days, they carried that term on through life they never forgot they were the children of the father and called him Abba um, but Jesus introduced a new relationship to God he continually called him daddy papa father and that was something <laughs> totally because you see religion emphasizes God is power in fact, some would actually just say, that's it. What, when you think of God, what do you say? You think of power. And so they call him Almighty God. Um, now, I mean, he is. He's all power. But the one who is all power, first of all, is Daddy, Papa. The one who is love. So, when he says a child, what did he... Well... Tragically, in our world, it doesn't always fit because we have um, we have so many child abusers, um, and and the the idea of what a child, biblically speaking, is is almost lost in many parts of our world. But but think of one or two things that maybe you can relate to a child. When we when we think of a child, we think of the weakest the most dependent 
of all humans, the most vulnerable, the most defenseless of all humans, a child. Um, that is why uh, a child abuser is the most heinous of all human beings, because none other has so snuggled down into Satan's lie that he is God, because in order to feel powerful, the child abuser picks on the weakest and the most vulnerable to hurt, to make him feel he's got control and power. It's the same uh, same kind of person in Satan's clutches will, will abuse women because of the same reasons. And also they abuse animals. Isn't that in any way? You see what I'm saying? A child... Look, look at the child, the weakest, the most defenseless, the most vulnerable of all human beings, and therefore the most dependent of all human beings. Total dependency. From the moment of birth, the child lives by grace. Everything the child receives, everything, is grace. It's gift. It's gift. The, the, the parents at that moment give themselves in total to that child and everything the child needs even though the child doesn't know what it needs but everything it needs is given is given is given so the child is unaware it lives in a cradle of grace but is totally unaware because that's the way things is and the child never questions it a child has a trusting love. That the child trusts implicitly that the parents accept and love. The child runs to the, the parent with arms outstretched because expecting, anticipating, accepting its own belovedness. Right? That's part of his vulnerability, because the child sees self as vulnerable to love. That is, um, I, I'm challenged every day by the greatness of the love uh, of my parents, their goodness, their kindness. Um, trusting, unaware of any status or importance. Children never strut around trying to control the neighborhood. A child is not even aware of what others are thinking or what others are saying. They just live in this present moment with eyes wide open in wonder. In, in fact, maybe they're unashamed of their wonder. They're never ashamed of saying what and why. They're never ashamed of saying, I don't know. And, and, and they look at, at wonder and so easily believe in what their fairy stories call magic. I mean, anything, everything's possible, anything's possible. Their eyes just get bigger and bigger at the discovery of the color of a bird. They, they wow at the sight of a baby deer. They, they laugh at a somersaulting squirrel. Everything is a wonder to be discovered. And so when you talk of wonders beyond wonders, they believe. 
and they're unashamed of their gullibility, that they live to discover and to stand in awe. A child. The adult, of course, now we've grown up. We're not children anymore. So we worry day and night about what will they say? What, what's the neighbor thinking? Be careful what you wear. Be careful how you talk. What, what will they say? And, and if ever they catch me just in a spontaneous moment, I'm terrified they, they will despise me and I'm, I'm ashamed of being so spontaneous. And, and by the time you're an adult, you don't believe anybody really loves you or accepts you. You're suspicious of everybody. There's a, there's a barrier being put around you. Now you're cautious of everybody. And, and, and even those who say they love you, you're not sure they do. You're not sure about love at all, even though you're screaming for it inside. But you're, that's the adult mind. So it puts on a face. You never know what's behind an adult face. It's like a wooden mask. And it changes depending on the situation. What do they expect? How do they want me to be? And I'll, I'll adjust. And, and it's become a withered life because now most things I can't do. It's a boundary, limitations. I've learned it, I learned it, I, I grew up into this wretched adult that to whom most things are impossible. I live in a world of division where I don't trust anybody, so we put up walls and they've put up walls and so it's a double thickness between us. Hmm. We, we feel separated from God, the essence of sin. We feel that there's a division. We back off from God and we believe he's backing off from us. And the, the passion is not dependence anymore. I, I have a passion to be independent. I need nobody. I do it myself. And I'm terrified of wonder. Because if ever I bugged my eyes and says, wow, I never knew that before, then everybody would say, he's uneducated, he doesn't know, he doesn't know. And so, again, up go the, you get the picture. That's a very limited one. Um, very limited. We could talk a lot on that. But that's essentially what sin has done. Jesus came. Oh, do you get it? Jesus came as the ultimate child. Jesus came to bring us to be children before Abba. And when we would be children before Abba, we would discover ourselves to be mighty men and women before the world. Did you get that? When Jesus died, he carried to death the wretched, satanic-inspired adult mind. And he rose again. And what was his first words to Mary to carry to the disciples? I ascend to my Abba and your Abba. We're in the same family. Come on, let's go to Daddy. So we're children. When I say that, I do not mean childish. There are some people that try to 
imitate a child and then they're childish. No, what I'm talking about is the mind of Jesus, the mind of Christ. He was not childish, he was childlike. And he was childlike toward Abba. Do, do, do you follow the difference there? He, he lived before Abba. And he said he was the way to Abba. So don't, uh, please, I, I, however good your childhood was, I forbid you to think about the relationship to your earthly father. It's nothing to do with that. Jesus said, no one comes to the father but by me. We don't come to the father through our own fathers. We come through Jesus. He has modeled for us what this is all about. He's the original child we are brought into the original covenant family relationship of father and son and holy spirit and we're the children we're not childish but we we think of life through the mind of jesus who never ceased to be a child before his father and i probably the first thing is that we become accepting of our own weakness you see that was the heart of original satanic lie that we were strong we were gods no you're not you, you, you were created you, you were created to be weak because we derive our very life from god through jesus <laughs> and so we we revel in our weakness we delight in our vulnerability because we're we receive his life and for us to live is Christ we 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 revel I was trying to find another word for that but it, it, it's still, we delight in our dependency see it isn't that I've got to do all of this and then present it to God and say is it good enough that's not Christianity Christianity is undependent everything I am my whole life I, I share with him that he might fill it and be my wisdom and be my direction, be my guide in life, be my life. Or another way of putting it, we receive grace upon grace, grace upon grace. Comes like the waves of the sea, unending, unstopping in every moment of life. And we, we trust Abra, it's no, no big deal was when we first arrived here uh, because we were also new but i hope we've grown up into children when, when now trusting abba is normal expecting his love expecting his kindness and his goodness we expect his provision at all areas of life we expect his protection we expect his direction and we trust and simply believe that all things are possible in this family we you know i was talking to someone just the other day and we were talking of what it was like in early days when we first discovered holy spirit and when we first discovered this way of life and and the wonder and the excitement and the dancing even the atoms of our body and and that doesn't happen in so much anymore 
and we, I, I said to the, the fellow, you know, we, this that we're now talking, this coming of age as a child, we take for granted God's love. That's the way it should be. This is where we live. We don't have to pray for it every day or hope we'll get it every day or wonder. No, we take it for granted. I, I wake up in the midst of the Holy Trinity's love. That's the way it is. So there is no place in this life for fear and anxiety. We're accepted of Abba and he's caring for us. That's what Abbas do to their children. We accept our acceptance. We believe our belovedness. And we play in life inside of that. We're vulnerable to God's love. Children. Children of God. Abba and his kids. And those little weak children before Abba, filled with his strength, become the mighty men and women before men and these are the ones that run through the temple their mouths full of praise and these are the ones of course that religion says shut up but Jesus said don't you realize something is happening praise 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 to God praise that is centered in Jesus praise that is the strength that is established, the fortress that is built. Or as Jesus put the words, that the, the Father has prepared praise for himself. He's prepared through the lips of such children of God that, that he will dwell in that new temple of praise. Ever thought about that? See, praising God is not just releasing sounds into the air. Praise is the declaration. What is praise? Praise is declaring who God is. That is, praise is the ultimate truth being spoken in the greatest energy on earth of the Holy Spirit spoken into the darkness this is who God is and we give him thanks that he is love and we give him thanks for his kindness and his goodness and his gentleness we praise him that he's revealed himself in Jesus this is the truth the truth the truth and with every speaking forth of truth we are shedding and bringing to nothing the flimsy shabby shanty towns of lies of Satan something's happening something's happening we give praise to God for what he did in Jesus we never get over it we're amazed and we stand amazed and we give thanks to God Hosanna Hosanna and we give praise to God for who then we are I can never praise God without ending up realizing and giving thanks to God that I am the new creation, that I am united with Jesus, that for me to live is Christ. Christ is in me the anticipation and expectancy of glory in every day. And that giving forth of praise well, it, it opens my own eyes 
um, to be involved in such. But I say it again, it is building, it's building, it's building. Invisible to the human eye. But actually, that which will never pass away. Strongholds of the radiance of God's light and beauty. Strongholds where the bricks are made of love and kindness and goodness of God. Strongholds where the ammunition is peace and joy that rejoices in God. Strongholds in which there is wholeness and total healing. Your words, words of praise, build that. Build that. And the result of building that goes outward as the ultimate punch that collapses. You're in the midst of lies. Situations are made up of of lies from the liar which produces fear and anxiety and separation and we speak praise to God in the midst of that and the flimsy house of cards of Satan collapse we are building in fact the new temple as I said a moment ago our words are the bricks and the rocks and the beauty of that place praise in the new testament the word praise is often under the umbrella word of thanksgiving and so let me look at it just one more time i want you to get this we have grown up into being children where with childlike trust not ponderous trying to think it not trying to debate it or discuss it or ask how or why, just as children. And, and shouting there, Hosanna, shouting to the Son of David, shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and how all that works out in our conversation. It's childlike trust God is God and Jesus, Son of God, God the Son, who became Son of David, one of our family, to carry us to where He is. You know, I've just got my big toe wet in all that truth, but it's enough to shout for the rest of my life, Hosanna. And when circumstances crowd and and pressure and declare the very opposite, then we shout back our hosannas, contradicting appearances and contradicting our senses, declaring who He is, declaring the reality, the promises that He's made, declaring that His work is done, His victory is, His deliverance is, you see, it's all there in hosanna. We delight in Him without suspicion. Oh, I know some of you, you folk uh, just between you and I, I I know that I speak to some and the truth is you're suspicious of God it's okay it's okay <laughs> he loves you so much that it's okay for you to be suspicious like that and talk about it see because religion has given this in fact we're brainwashed with religion that, that says you, you can know there's a dark side to God you see yeah, he said all his promises, but uh, 
He certainly doesn't always keep them, you know. It's it's a matter of, you know, luck of the lottery. I, um, and, and so you go through with a sort of anxiety. Have I done enough to please God? Have I done enough to get his attention? Have I done enough that he'll just even begin to do some of his promises? Look, would you recognize that as all part of the satanic lie? All part of these religious that screamed at Jesus in the temple? No, 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 no. It's not the way it is. Dare. I dare you in the name of Jesus to be the child that you are. The child that came out of the tomb with Jesus. The child that says, Abba, and trusts him implicitly. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never let you down. That's our praise as we delight in him without debate, without suspicion. It is. And I just jump into the ears and that's the way it is. Praise is the release of the divine love creative energy. Love that has the face of Jesus defining. But also love that comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember I said that on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles... They did this, that they did out on the road outside of Jerusalem. They, they, they took their palms, right? And they danced all around the great altar in the temple, shouting Hosanna. Do you remember I told you that? Well, let me tell you something else. On such a day, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus was there. And... There, was a, there would be a racket going on, if you could imagine the scene I've just described. But Jesus, uh, it says of Jesus, he cried with a loud voice. And he said that those who would believe upon him, out of them would flow rivers of living water. They would become source points of divine life that would flow like a river out into the lives of others, into the darkness. And then the next verse, John has to make a comment. He said, this flowing out of living water, he, this he spoke of the Holy Spirit who would be given when Jesus was glorified. And of course, he's been glorified in his ascension and he gave the Holy Spirit what I'm saying is that this praise to God that is the subject of all these verses, Jesus summed it up and said, the Holy Spirit within you is in and behind and through all of your praise. It becomes, I say, the love of God that has the face of Jesus, the personal, almighty energy of the Holy Spirit that goes forth to transform our world and to crush Satan with a word. Spiritual warfare is, is not war as we understand it. Spiritual warfare begins by our realizing all has been done. The victory is won. Deliverance is secured. And we move from there with praise to God. Satan will press your buttons to try and make you start fighting toward a victory. 
But Hosanna is fighting from a victory already won. It is declaring into the darkness that the darkness has already been defeated. And it is that that puts Satan on his back. See, it's already done. We're not trying to get. We're not trying to arrive at. We are declaring that we're there. It's done. It's finished. And we are now throwing praise to God into the midst of lies and deceit that make it look quite opposite to that. But it's only appearance. Just take all that I'm saying and recognize this is the way it is until it gets into your attitude. It's your attitude to life, the childlike attitude to life that then spills into conversation. Not that you're going to use praise words throughout your conversation. You're not one of those people who stops cursing and instead now just says praise the Lord every other minute no this is a way of talking it's a way of talking that is filled with hope it's a way of talking that is not dragged into anxiety and fears and misery and victimhood it's rather the bold conversation you're talking about life at the water fountain you're talking about life there in the shopping mall or wherever just people are congregated and you're part of the conversation and you don't come over like a christian who wants to stuff four spiritual laws in their face you're just talking about life but you're talking about life from where you live which means you're full of hope you're full of joy you are full of peace you are full of expectancy of god's victory being made manifest And when someone is sick, you don't tell them a litany of all the people you know that died of that disease, but rather you very quietly lay hands on them. And if they don't like that idea, you can put your hand around their shoulder and just love them quietly and let the salvation, the healing flow from you to them. This is life that is lived from Hosanna. This is life where we pray from Hosanna, not hoping to get it. This is praise from Hosanna, not to get. And all the time we're building the invisible temple in which we are stones, temple where the glory of God dwells. So what can I say? My time is gone. It's time to join the child choir in the heavens. It's time to be the stones built in praise that are the universal temple of the living God. I think that's it. Go, be it, and do it. And now the blessing of God who is almighty love and kindness and goodness bless you. Bless you in your innermost spirit bless you in your mind and attitude, bless you, filling you with his joy and his peace, that out of you there shall flow to the world around you rivers of living water. So I bless you, and so it is. Amen.